So let's review. Zuck the Mishnah, Shnaim Eichsen Betalis, if two people are holding onto a cloak and Zeimer Animitzesia, Vizeimer Animitzesia. They both claim that they found it lying ownerless, and Zeimer Kulishali, Vizeimer Kulishali. Each one claims that he owns the entire talus. And as Rashi explains, Since one who is in possession of an item is the presumed owner, both have an equally legitimate claim to the garment. Therefore, the Mishnah rules, Each one swears that he owns at least half the talus, and they divide it equally. However, Rashi explains, if only one of them was holding the talus and the other person claimed ownership, he would not receive half the talus by swearing. Rather, he must bring witnesses to support his claim because the burden of proof always rests with the one who seeks to extract something from another's possession. Vigma questions the repetitious language in the Mishnah. The claim of Anima is halachically equivalent to the claim of Kulish Ali. The Mishnah should have said, He claimed he found it, and obviously he's claiming that it's now his. Or conversely, Each one claims to own the talus, and the fact that they found it is irrelevant. Additionally, the Gemara asks, The Mishnah also uses the term twice, indicating that we are discussing two distinct cases. The Gemara therefore explains, We are indeed referring to two separate cases. The phrase Hanimetzesia refers to a case where both claim that they found the object. And the Chacham obligated them to swear because, It is possible that one found it first, and the other person then seized it as well, rationalizing that the one who found it would not suffer a loss of capital. On the other hand, Seifa B'mekech Memker. The phrase coolishly refers to a case where both are claiming they bought it. And the scenario is where The seller accepted money from both of them, but he does not remember which payment he took willingly and which one he took unwillingly. Therefore, the Chacham obligated them to swear because The one who gave the money forcibly may have rationalized that since they both paid for the object, I might as well take it and let the other fellow take his money back and buy another item elsewhere. As part of this discussion, the Gemara teaches that one cannot acquire an ownerless object by merely looking at it with the intent to acquire it. He must make a valid kinyan, a formal act of acquisition, such as hagba, picking it up. The Gemara now contrasts our Mishnah with several similar cases where we do not rule Yachleiku. If an employer instructed a storekeeper to give his workers some food or money for their wages and promised to pay him at a later date, and the storekeeper says he gave it to them, while the workers deny having received it, and so both are demanding payment from the balabais. The Tanakhama says that they are both entitled to payment if they swear to their claims. However, Benanas counters, How can the Chacham allow them both to swear knowing that one of them will certainly swear falsely? Therefore, they both receive payment without swearing. Now, the Gemara assumes, Our Mishnah does not agree with Benanas because we do obligate both parties to swear. However, the Gemara differentiates. In that case, Bananas did not allow them to swear 
because it will certainly result in one of them swearing falsely. In our case, it is possible that both are swearing truthfully because they might have picked it up simultaneously and each one thinks he picked it up first and so they are both entitled to half. Therefore, he agrees that we require them both to swear. If an ox gored a cow and a dead fetus was found at its side and we don't know if the cow miscarried after and as a result of it being gored and the ox's owner is therefore liable for the fetus or if the cow miscarried before he was gored and so he is not liable for the fetus. The Rabban rule, The burden of proof rests on the claimant, the Baal HaPara, and so the Baal HaShar is not liable, while Sumchas maintains, When in doubt, we divide the disputed sum between the claimant and the defendant, and we do not require them to swear. Now, the Gemara explains that our Mishnah may agree with the Rabbanan because, the Rabbanan rule in favor of the defendant because they were not both in possession of the disputed money at the time the dispute arose. Rather, the Balashar has sole possession of the money. Therefore, the Balapar must bring proof to extract payment. However, In our case, both are holding onto the talus, and so both are in possession of the talus. Therefore, neither one can take a portion without swearing. However, it seems that Masnitin Deloika Sumchas. Our Mishnah does not agree with Sumchas because Ma Hasan Deloika Tavsi Tarvayu Cholkem Belei Shavuah Hacha De Tarvayu Tavsi Lolekolshke. If in that case, where the claimant is not in possession, he receives half the disputed sum without swearing. Certainly, in our case, where they are each in possession, they should divide it without swearing. The Gemara offers two answers. Kiyama Sumchas Shema B'Shema of a Bari Bari Loyomar. Sumchas only says to divide the item without a shvua, where their claims are only possible claims, because neither party knows what really happened. However, where their claims are certain claims, Sumchas agrees with the Tanakhama in that case where only one is muxik, that a mitzvah love haraya, and so with our Mishnah, in our case, we're both a muxik, that yachleiku b'shvua. And according to the opinion that Amar Sumchas afila bari bari, Sumchas holds that cholkum shvua in all cases. The Gemara answers that indeed Me'ikar din according to Sumchas the Talos should be divided without swearing. However, B'yechin explains Shvu Zut HaKonz Chachamhi. The Chacham instituted this oath Shaloi Hekol Echad Ve'echad Choylech V'teikim Talish Chaveroi V'ayim Shalihu. One should not simply seize another person's object and claim ownership and thereby receive half of it. Therefore the Chachamim instituted this oath as a deterrent. As part of this discussion, the Gemara discusses Daru Demamayna. Rasha explains it to mean Chesar in Mammon, a loss of capital. Tastes explain it to mean, but lead time they say in the case is inherently unclear.